Hello, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. I don't know if you've ever been in a really low place. Most of us will have been from time to time where you're full of worry, full of uncertainty. You can't see the wood from the trees is an expression that uh, people use. Maybe you've failed an exam. Maybe you're driving tests. Maybe you've lost a job. Or there's some tragic health news that has come your way. Someone key in your life has let you down. And you're just at the end of yourself. And then somebody comes alongside of you. And they comfort you. And they encourage you. A little ray of sunshine for you in that dark place. I'm sure most of us have experienced that from time to time. Actually, Ken and uh, myself had the privilege of being this uh, for our friends in northern Uganda during the period of 2001 and 2008, when in particular it was a very bad time in the north there with a rebel army, and uh, they were causing all sorts of uh, havoc. And they used to say when we went out there, they say, you're, the, you're Proverbs 25, 25 to us, where it says, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. I said, you coming, you're that good news. Not particularly anything we said, because we didn't really say anything very wise. Well, Ken did, obviously, but uh, I, I didn't. But it was our, our coming that, that brought them comfort there in their difficult time. Well, as we look at our passage today in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 to 13, we'll see what comforted and what encouraged the Apostle Paul in a difficult time that he was going through. And then we can look at ourselves. Okay, what things should comfort and encourage us? Because we're supposed to learn from him. And then finally, we will look at what the Apostle Paul wants us to grow in, in Christ Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, they do do a paper version of this, so uh, uh, I'd encourage you to get one. Uh, in one uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6 to 13. If not, there is a, uh, uh, it's on the screen behind me as well. It says this. I'm just going to read the first few verses. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted through, uh, about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Some great verses there, and we'll just pause there for a moment to look at being comforted by faith and love. Hendrickson, in his book on, on 1 Thessalonians, says that verse 6 shows that Paul must have responded straight away. So keen is he to write to the church um, so that they know how pleased he is and also that he can speak to uh, show them his encouragement in his difficult situation. Paul's chief concern for them wasn't about their material well-being. It wasn't even about their physical health. These are things that we're normally concerned about for uh, people that we love. I'm sure Paul was concerned to some extent about that. But the chief thing 
that he was concerned with was how are they doing in Christ Jesus? The good news that he was looking for was about their faith in Jesus and their love for Jesus and for the people of God, including him himself. That is what he was concerned about. And it wasn't just an academic faith or a superficial love. It was earthed in the reality of a genuine life, living under distress as they were, and genuine love for each other. They were standing fast despite the trials that they were facing. They were genuinely longing to uh, see Paul again because they loved him just like he loved them. The Thessalonians, their faith and love was borne out in the reality of life. And this was seen by Timothy, reported to Paul, and that is what comforted and encouraged the Apostle Paul. Now this speaks to us in two different ways that we uh, can learn from this morning as we consider this. Firstly, how is your faith this morning? How is it doing? Your faith that is more precious than gold. 1 Peter 1 verse 7, for those of you taking notes, tells us. How is your faith doing? How is your love for God and his people? 1 Corinthians 13 makes it clear, doesn't it, that without love, we're just a noisy symbol. We're just a clanging gong. Our works count for nothing, really, if we have not love. Can I encourage you this morning, as God's been meeting with us, to do a fresh assessment of how you're doing in these areas. Make sure that we are prioritizing our faith and love for God, love for his people in your life. Don't let other things, other priorities, squeeze those things out. Secondly, and this is the main thing from these verses that I want to focus on, Paul exalts us in several passages to imitate him, to copy him, to remember his way of life. And so likewise, we need to see that actually the state of the church was important to him. Is it important to you? Are you concerned? Do you care about the church? Can you just take it or leave it? Do you just you know, come along? We're not really bothered about what happens. It's just you, know, it's you and your walk with God. Does the church have a place in your thinking? And by the church, I mean the people of God. I mean your local church here, but also across the world as well. Does it have a place in your prayer life? Are you invested in it? Are you investing in it? Are you prepared to be inconvenienced, to suffer for it, whether emotionally, mentally, physically, or financially? You see, Paul was encouraged by Timothy's report, but he had to send Timothy to get that report, and that would have cost him in all of those areas, and Timothy as well. And yet Paul was prepared for that, as it tells us in 2 Timothy 2.10, that he was prepared to endure everything for the sake of the elect, that's the, the church, that they also 
may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, too often, particularly in, in our country in the West, where we're very individualistic in our thinking. We know we can think about, you know, it's me, me and God, my walk with God, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, you in your small corner, and I in mine. You know, stay away from me, I'll, I'll just, I'm over here, I'm okay. Do you know, that is such a suboptimal view of salvation. It's so individualistic, it's so selfish, it's so immature in the faith, if that's where you stay, you start in that thinking, but that if you stay in that thinking. Yes, you are saved individually through faith in Christ Jesus. Before God, as the Bible makes it very clear to us that we, uh, um, that we were once God's enemies. We were once separated from him through the things that we have done, said, and thought that, uh, that uh, hurt other people and that offend our creator. And yet God, in his love, sent his son to die on the cross for you, to live amongst us, live a perfect life, never pleasing God, and then chose to die on that cross, to take on himself the punishment for the things that all of us have done that offend God, the one who holds our next breath in his hands. And then, out of love, when we put our faith in Jesus and surrender our lives to him, we not only receive God's forgiveness on us, but we get given Christ's righteousness before God. So when God looks at your life now, if you're in Jesus, he sees his beautiful son, not all the things that I've done wrong or you've done wrong. More than that, you receive the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and is a sign that you're adopted into God's family. You're one of his children. And he's also a guarantee of our future inheritance so that when we die or Christ returns, we know that we'll be with him forever and ever. Hallelujah. So you're saved individually through faith in Jesus. Everyone has to go through that narrow gate, as it were, of putting their faith in Jesus to become part of God's family. But you are saved into a family, the family of God, his church, where faith, love, and hope are part of the family characteristics, are part of our, part of our family traits. And you know, Christ wants us to be standing fast in our faith. He wants us to have genuine love for one another as we live our lives in this world with the hope of eternal life that we have in Christ. Christ wants you immovable in your faith in him. Despite what fiery trials come your way and despite what temptations come your way, what, what, what things try to allure you away with uh, you know, persuasive ideologies or worldviews or pleasures, we're called to persevere. We're called to overcome. We're called to stand fast in Christ Jesus. The health and resilience of the church should be a concern for you as a Christian. These are true signs of a believer 
if you like. It's one of the motivating reasons why it's great to be part of a, a you know, bigger uh, body than just an individual church in a, in, a, in a local area. It's great to be part of a, a family of churches that's working across the world. It's great to go to these places. And we should, uh, if we're not going, we should be pleased that people are going to like Bulgaria and uh, Africa and other places that we're involved with. We should be praying for them. We should be willing to face the inconvenience, the cost, the time, the energy, and the health that all those that, that the travel uh, takes from us. That's part of being in the family of God, the worldwide family of God. It's right for us to feel like, yes, it's great when things are going well for our brothers and sisters around the world and, and feel concerned when it's not. So when you hear these stories that, that you know, we share from the front and other, and other people share, actually that you should have that sense of, that's our brother, that's our sister out there. That's what God is wanting to raise in our hearts because we're concerned about the church. Don't be like that spoiled child who only thinks of themselves. They're only happy when they're getting exactly what they want. If, if you're in that and you're thinking, actually, no, I know I need to grow in this area, just ask God to give you more of his heart for his church. Start praying for those areas that you know we're involved with as a church, even though you may not know the people. Pray for them by name, because God wants to increase your heart for his church, just like he had the Apostle Paul, and just like Paul was like that, because it made him more like Jesus. God wants to make you more like Jesus. Paul was encouraged by their faith despite his own affliction, despite his own suffering. He, could, he said, I can I really live now that he knew how they were doing. That's something of the agape love of God, the sacrificial love of God working in him and through him that he could feel like that. God wants to increase his love in your heart for his people around the world. I just believe God wants to seal this in your hearts now. It's not a sort of thing, oh yeah, that's just for the zealous ones. That's for those that are growing in maturity in Christ. God wants to do this in each of us. So let's, can I just invite you just to, where you're sitting, just to close your eyes and to put your hands out to receive from God because actually we only love God because he first loved us and we only love his people because his love is at work in our hearts. So I just believe God wants to increase his love in each one of us for his people, for his church this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Thank you that you've been working amongst us this morning. I just pray, Father, would you pour out your spirit afresh into each person's heart now, Lord God. Increase our love for you. Increase our love for your people, those that we know and those that we don't know. Lord God, thank you that we're going to spend eternity with our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord God, who are in you, who are Christians. And Lord, I just pray that you would increase our heart to not just think of our own situation, but to think of your church and to be passionate about your church. Thank you that you are raising up a glorious 
church at this time, the most diverse body of people, Lord God, from all nations, all backgrounds, Lord God. Father, we thank you. You're at work, Lord God. And Lord, we pray you would increase our heart for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's uh, move on. We could, we could stay there a bit longer, but let's move on to uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 to 13. Paul uh, continues in this passage, and he says this. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. A moment ago, he's praising them because of their faith, but he wants to supply what is lacking in their faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. The word is agape there. It's agape love, sacrificial love. Again, He's praising them for their love a moment ago. Now he's saying, oh God, pray God, would you increase it for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Hallelujah. God is calling us to be growing in Holiness is my second point to you this morning. A little, little theological note just to start with. For, uh, uh, it's worth highlighting these things. Verse 11, it shows the deity of Christ there. Considering this was one of the first letters, only you know, less than 20 years after Jesus had died and rose again, it shows that they viewed Christ as God. Paul prays to both God and the Lord Jesus Christ. No Jew from a you know, God-fearing Jew, would pray to anyone other than God. So clearly indicating how Paul viewed Jesus. Gordon Fee points out that verse 13 in this passage uh, shows that Paul interpreted what the prophet Zechariah said in 14 verse 5, that the coming of our Lord, which is the word Yahweh, you know, the name of God, the coming of our Lord with all his holy ones is fulfilled by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. To Paul, as well as to Thomas, Jesus was both Lord and God. John 20, verse 28. But you see, Paul, like a loving parent, was comforted in seeing the normal growth and development of a child. Paul is comforted with Timothy's report and he prays for that increased growth to continue and that development to continue and he encourages it and also wants to play his part in it like any good parent does with their child. Calvin writes on these verses, Paul desires that holiness may increase until it reaches its perfection and for this reason he says at the coming of the Lord, meaning that the completion of what the Lord is now beginning in us is being delayed until that time, i.e., we're not going to be perfect until Christ comes again, is what he's saying. Holy in the Bible simply means being set apart 
to God from other things. It means other, that we are living for God, that we choose to reject sinful things and start living to please God, that we are morally pure in that way, living a life that pleases God. And of course, the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive his righteousness. You are holy before God in his sight. You are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. As we looked at in our last series, you're his treasured possession. You're the people of God, his sons and daughters. However, whilst we live in these mortal bodies that we have, this side of eternity, there is still a battle to occur with sin within us and without us, in our actions, our words, our thoughts, and our heart motives as well. It's why Jesus taught us to pray daily that we uh, should say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's part of this world. It's why Jesus gave that image in John chapter 13 of saying, look, you've had a bath, you've been cleaned, but actually I still need to wash your feet as you go about doing what you're doing on this earth. John Stott writes on these verses, he says, for sanctification, again, that's just a big word meaning set apart for God, is a present, continuing process. Perfection awaits the second coming. My friends, we are called as God's people to be growing in holiness, living out the reality of what our true identity is in Christ Jesus. You, you cannot play games in this area, my friends. Actually, it's a, in one sense, it's a sobering message. We can't play games with God as a Christian in this area because you know as a Christian what it cost Jesus to make you holy. You know it cost him his life. So it's not something that we can just settle with, oh, well, I'm better than them. Actually, no, we should strive, each one of us, to be more and more like Jesus. God is calling his people at the moment to holiness. In particular, as we're believing God to move in revival power, but much more uh, than that, because the Bible itself tells us time and time again we should be striving for holiness. Morris, in his book on Thessalonians, helpfully shows us that the word um, holiness in verse 13, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, this word is only ever used about God himself. It is the very highest degree of holiness. And that's what Paul wants for you and for me. See, Paul's not messing about here. And neither is the Holy Spirit. The clue's in his name, Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's his name or his description, but, uh, but that's what we call him. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is wanting you to be holy. He's wanting to produce holiness in you. Total devotion, total separation from other things to God. So that your deeds, your words, your thoughts, and your heart attitude are not full of any of these things that I'm just about to read from uh, Galatians 5 and Ephesians 5 as well. It says, you know, don't, don't have any of these areas of sexual immorality, 
which is any sex outside of marriage, marriage being between one man and his wife. No other types of marriage are acceptable in the Bible. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And then Ephesians 5 tells us we shouldn't have any covetousness, filthy or foolish talk, or any crude joking. No, as Christians, Colossians 3, verse 10 to 14, again, for those of you making notes, tells us that we should put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Notice that you're, you're, you're chosen, you're holy and beloved. That's who you are. So put these things on. Now, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds them all together. You see, growing in faith and love are key parts of holy living for God. As is prayer, in fact, being, having a prayerful life. You notice in this passage, Paul immediately turns to prayer. You notice that in several passages, he immediately goes to prayer. He encourages us to pray as well. Prayer is part of a normal Christian life. Prayer is the Christian's life breath. William Barclay writes about this. He says, The man who goes out in the morning without prayer is in, a fact, is in, in effect saying, I can bear on my own whatever consequences today... Um, uh, what, sorry, I can tackle today... Uh, I can quite well tackle today whatever comes my way on my own. And the man who lays himself to rest without speaking to God is in effect saying, I can bear on my own whatever consequences today has brought. This is not the disposition of those people who have faith or who are humble. My friends, it's, that's sin and arrogance right there, isn't it? To think that we can go about, we can tackle anything that comes our way, we can, we can take whatever consequences of, we face in that day without committing it to God, without seeking his help in it. You want to grow in holiness? Then you need to be growing in your prayer life before God. You need to be growing in your knowledge of God through reading the Bible. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in your hearts, changing you. You need to seek his power to empower you to live for him so that you grow in faith, that you grow in love, and that you grow in the other fruits of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. So that you grow mature, becoming more and more like Christ. Do you want that this morning, my friends? Well, let's pray. Let's seek God for that. Again, just let's put our hands before God. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are holy. And thank you that you have made us holy in Jesus. And you have been sent to us to empower us to live for Jesus here on earth. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters. 
Help us to grow in holiness, Lord. Help us not to mess around. Help us not to just think, oh, I'm all, I'm all right. I, I, I'm going to live for God in this area, but this area I'm not going to let God touch. Lord, I just pray, even now, would you just come and bring conviction on us, Lord God, in areas that we know that we're holding on to? Or maybe we don't know, Lord. Maybe it's a blind spot. I just pray, come and just bring conviction in people's hearts, Lord God, of areas that you want to deal with that you want to be Lord of, that you want to see surrendered to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we want to be a holy people. We want to live more for you. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to represent him better to those around us. Come and have your way amongst us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite the worship team back up. I'm just going to bring it to a close. Here, disciples of Jesus should be comforted as we see the love and faith of others' believers in action. And we should be seeking to be growing in these areas ourselves, along with all holiness before God our Father. Amen? Amen. Can I invite you to stand? Just before we go into this final song of, of response... If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, or if you're here this morning and you know in your heart that actually you've drifted away from Jesus, can I just invite you to pray this prayer along with me now, a prayer of surrender, to give yourself back to him and say, God, I want to start living for you. I want to do all that I can for you. Just pray this in your heart along with me now. Just say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all that I've done that offends you that's wrong. I surrender myself to you. Help me through the power of your spirit to live the rest of my life for you. And in Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, or if you're watching online and prayed that prayer, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to give you uh, well, this track here as well to help explain a bit more what you've done. If you're online, contact the office and we'll be in touch there. For the rest of us, as we sing this song, can I encourage you, if you know that actually your heart for the church has grown a bit cold and you want someone to pray with you, Please come forward to this front area here and as the worship dies down, people will pray for you. If you're here this morning and you just want someone to come alongside you, you know you're struggling in an area or you just know it's difficult to uh, keep uh, pure for God, to keep living a holy life, again, come here. People will be here to pray with you. If you want healing this morning, we've already heard one testimony of healing. If you want healing, come forward at the front. There'll be people to pray with you. And if you want fresh filling this morning, for a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit, again, can I encourage you, come forward. If I was here saying, we've got the new £50 notes with the King Charles's head on it, come forward, receive it, you'll be like, yeah, I'll be forward to get that. Better is the Holy Spirit than £50 notes. So if you want fresh filling with the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you to come forward and people will be here to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you.
sweeping so we've been singing about laying down our whole life so the band continue to play and they may sing a bit more but can I invite you to respond now now's the time to respond say God I'm, I'm yours fill me afresh God I'm yours I need this area to be dealt with God I'm yours heal me in this situation I invite you to to respond now people there uh, already have responded and people are praying but I encourage you to respond at this this time before the meeting closes don't leave this place without doing business with God